0: Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day... Davy Michelle and the Transatlantics. When Davy Michelle recently started a new band, the name choice was obvious. The hand-picked members of the Transatlantic spent their respective formative years on opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean, in places ranging from New York and Maine to Scotland and the Isle of Man. But the thing that unites them under one flag is a shared love of the classic era of American soul music. Michelle is best known around Los Angeles for fronting his black leather band, the Neighborhood Bullies, which has a raw and uncompromising approach to rock and roll music. Michelle is at once affable and intense, and he grew up in a musical family, establishing himself as a go-to bass player for a number of well-known artists, both in the studio and on the road. But Michelle's not-so-secret weapon is his powerful tenor voice, and it's that soulful howling that provided the genesis for the transatlantics. Whereas the bully's stock-in-trade is amped-up energy and catchy songs delivered at paint-stripping volume, the Transatlantics turn down the amps to let the grooves and melodies shine. Most importantly, the Transatlantics are a band. Each player was selected by Michelle specifically to complement both the songs as well as the other players. And like any soul band worth its metal, the Transatlantics lineup is comprised of tasteful and accomplished players that astutely cover the elements essential to the style. Although the band uses classic soul as their guiding star, they're not afraid to veer off and explore a bit of genre-bending territory in order to keep things fresh both for them and for their fans. Rock and roll and soul music have always been kissing cousins, and Davey Michelle and the Transatlantics are ready to testify that both are alive and well in the new millennium. Welcome to Independence Day, Davey Michelle and the Transatlantics. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Joe. How are we? I'm amazing. Very well. Colin? I'm Zach. I'm very good, thank you. We have most of the band here. We don't have the en- we don't have the entirety of the band because that's one of the, the hallmarks of the transatlantic. It's kind of a big band.
1: It's mm. a big band. You know,
0: people may know you uh, from uh, your private your previous bands. Come yeah. come forward. Oh <laughs> my, not close enough there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people may know you, Davey. Yeah. Uh, the first name in the, the name from your your other band. It's Still a band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the neighborhood, neighborhood bullies. bullies and uh, this is your new project. So let's, let's get to know who these people are, and then we'll kind of talk. We'll spend the next hour or so getting to know you guys and why everyone should buy the new record. That's
1: is that coming. That's uh, good It's coming plan. out soon?
0: It is. It's coming out in a, on
1: iTunes and within a couple of weeks.
0: Okay, very, very cool. So with us today uh, for the interview portion, we have yourself, of course, Davey Michelle. We have Zach Jones. Say hello, Zach. Hello. Colin McGinnis. Say good hello, afternoon. Colin. And Preston... Uh, Edmondson. Edmondson, yes, yes. I've got your name written down, <laughs> yeah. but i was gonna see if I can remember it. I remembered it because, uh, wasn't one of the young ones in Edmondson? Yes. Uh, yes, I
2: sc- sure. sc- I'm, a, I'm a not close
0: enough. Yeah, so and the, the one, yeah. The, now the nature was, of the yeah. name of the transatlantic He's is- He's dead though. Yeah, When <laughs> you're, you're not, and I'm glad yeah. for that. Uh, as I imagine you are too. Uh, the, the nature of the name is because the band spans the Atlantic. Some Basically, of them, yeah. yeah. So tell me how this came to pass.
1: Um, I'm not really sure. We all play games with making band names up constantly, but maybe, uh, I don't know, I may have watched, watched a video about the transatlantic accent and it hit me, wow, I'm in a transatlantic band. Yeah. Or something like that. Maybe, did you come up with the name? Uh, no, it was definitely your name. Okay. Uh, you know, we're three Brits and the core of the band is three Brits, three Americans, and most of us were from the East Coast, so uh-huh. I thought it was...
3: Uh, Davey is always coming up with band names yeah. at, at all times. So <laughs> right. That just seemed like the appropriate one for this group.
0: I think every band goes through that period. You know, There's that whole joke like some bands have a name before they can even play music. I know my high school band was like that. Like we had mm-hmm. spent hours talking about what our band was going to be called and where we were going to be touring yeah. and all the groupies we were going to have and the posters and all that stuff. But we, you know, we were well, With this lot, but- I don't expect to have any groupies
4: <laughs> yeah, uh,
5: moving along. Uh, <laughs> I think, f- from my experience, the, the names the hardest. Yeah. for a band because it's like you have to live with it forever.
0: Yeah. Well, and rock or, and roll yeah. is decades on now.
5: Mm-hmm. Decades and
0: decades on. So I mean, there are constant. I mean, I see friends of mine, you know, lamenting constantly. All the good band names are taken. I just saw someone's social media post the other day. All the good band names are taken, and it is a challenge. not true. I'm not saying it isn't true. <laughs> right. I come up with dozens of them. It's, it's not true, but it can be a challenge given how far we are in the media environment because there are band names that may not be a band, but it's already a website for somebody's company that sells right. online marketing or it might be a food product. Yeah. Then there's, well, Then there's there the usage pitfalls.
1: thing, though. Correct.
0: So there's right. different, you know, you can have a copyright if
1: you're, this is so boring, but you can have a copyright <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're a band, right, called the Neighborhood Bullies, and then there's a, a bread called Neighborhood Bullies. Right. It's different usages.
0: No, of course, but, you, but that said, yeah. you still may not want, necessarily want to be, and say it wasn't bread, say it was. Well, that's why these guys Say it was was the well, Third Reich. You know, say it was yeah. catheters or some kind of colonostomy <laughs> well, product. It might be a whole different Davey thing. It took Davy exactly five minutes to get to Hitler. <laughs> 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 all right, good night, everybody. Yeah, all the best. Don't mention it. Uh, let's let's do this. Let's I've, hear a song. Let's hear a song right out of the gate. Because right. I know you're very proud of this record. And I've heard it, and it's really, really good. And I'm I'm happy to, that you're making music again. I'm happy you're doing something different. I mean, I I love the bullies. Uh, we had them on the show. People can check that back out if they go to indepthday.com. That's the show's website. You can check out when Davey and his other band were on here, although that's a, kind of a rotating group. Of people too.
1: The Bullies, yeah, it's pretty much, you know... Um, it's a collective. you got to be really good to be in the Bullies, and then they all get
0: other gigs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of the goal, well, he, is to get like stolen him. out of the band into someone else's band, right? Yeah,
1: that's the way it goes. Right? Uh,
0: so let's hear something from this record. The record is called... Davey, tell me once again what the record's right,
1: called. Right, it's Davey Michelle
0: and the Transatlantics, and the title of our
1: record is Love is for Lunatics. Love is for
0: Lunatics. Okay, let's hear this. And this, I believe, is the song Don't Wait for Fate, correct?
1: Yeah, you we're listening to, to the CD. On, yeah. You want us to do one? Okay, truck, great. yeah. So Definitely. let's hear
0: that. Don't wait for fate. This is Davey and Michelle and the Transatlantics on Independence Day.
6: Nobody loves her. Nobody cares. Out on the sidewalk. Gets nothing but stares Sooner than later gotta turn it around Down on a lot scrounging for change Never saw it come in Time after time, put a heart on her sleeve. Giving up on giving up, sick of needing her dream. Somebody told her.
0: Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. Come to you Wednesday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Bring you bands from around the country and around the world. In this particular week's case, it is both. It's a band based in Los Angeles, but the members are from different sides of the pond, as some people say affectionately or unaffectionately. We have some Brits. We have a Scotsman and we've got some well, you know, British. East Coast. Yeah, Brit?
4: Well, I'm actually, technically, <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically I'm not British, I'm Manx. Oh, he's Manx, right. I'm from the Isle, Isle of Man. Man.
0: So now we're getting into you know, sub-genres and Welsh yeah. and, and yeah. things of that nature. Like, if, like I guess it would be like saying if you're from Illinois, you're a Midwesterner or you're from Indiana, they might take umbrage to whether or not you were from Indiana versus Illinois, even though most of the people in the world don't really seem to care the difference between Illinois and Indiana.
5: You see how that works. Well, technically okay. the Isle of Man, the queen's not the queen there. Uh, we've got our own government and our own currency, so we're completely separate. You have your own and queen to burn you're not an effigy.
1: Considered a part of Britain? Are they, are not like no, no. I mean, the queen's what are, the they, so we can go attack the Isle of Man, and Britain's not going to do anything about it. You wouldn't want
0: to. That's why I, <laughs> that's why I left when I was <laughs> oh, seventeen. I, it. I couldn't wait <laughs> to get out. That's
5: how they defend themselves. <laughs>
0: In any case, we're not talking about fighting. That's a different podcast. You can tune in for that (laughs) one later. Let's talk about this because the transatlantics are a different feel. If people are used to listening to you, Davey, play in the Bullies. Yeah,
1: motorcycle rock.
0: Which is like, yeah, black leather rock. You know, it's not quite the Ramones, but it's on the Ramones continuum, right? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. Definitely. So, first of all, from you, uh, as the kind of progenitor of this particular thing, why this style? How did this come about?
1: There's a. There's a lot of reasons. I've, because the bullies are so maximum R&B, I've always had the yearning to be in a, a band that can play quietly, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And um, also, God, you know, I mean, the idea of this band goes way back, maybe 12 years, where when I met Colin, one of the first mm-hmm. questions after the first song we ever played live together, I asked him, hey man, will you be on my solo record someday?
5: Well, actually, that wasn't the first question. It was the first question. He, he came up to me, he says, uh, have you got a fag, mate? And of course, I went to reach in my pocket to give him a cigarette, but I don't want to offend anyone here oh, no he didn't mean a cigarette. he meant a gay person <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't have one in my pocket at the time but you but. you that totally blows the rhythm of the funny joke <laughs> go on,
0: man. We've already run aground. Is that what you're saying? yeah sure. Go on.
1: Oh, I'm like, hey, because I noticed he's British as British gets. And, and I walk up and go, hey, can I nick a fag? Knowing that he'll, you know, and he reaches for a cigarette. I'm like, I said, no, I mean a homosexual. Do you have an extra homosexual? And I still didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that kind of sense of humor that forms a band. Right. These guys are all handpicked um, over the years. You know, it, it took a long time to find. Luca and I went to high school together. And back in high school, I'm like, hey, man, when I do my solo record, you're going to play piano, right? So, I mean, it literally goes back 30 years as far as Luca goes, him about 12 years. About five years ago, Zach and I started talking about it. We started going out and looking for the right drummer and keyboard player together and found this guy playing in a bar uh, at the cinema
0: bar. By this guy, but people can't see he's playing at Preston. Preston over here,
1: (laughs) Preston, our our keyboard player, our organ player. Um, We saw him play uh, at the cinema bar. And he just doesn't didn't sound like anybody. You know, when you're looking for an organ player, you want to stay away from the guys with the cliches, right? You know, and everybody knows the same licks, but he doesn't even know those licks. He no, knows his own licks. <laughs> and <laughs> he's Scottish. <laughs> he doesn't play American style. So it's really unique sounding, right? So we looked at each other and we're like, that's the guy. Okay. And same with Tony. Actually, I went and saw Tony play in a country band, your friend, my friend, Grant Langston, right? Mm-hmm. The supermodels. But at the last note of the last song he he did the ka-chung the ac dc ka-chunk you know kaboom and i looked at zach i'm like he's the guy
0: yeah (laughs) so okay but now this leads me to my next question which was like as we've been talking about doing this interview you know you've been very adamant about the fact that you want people to understand that this is a band
4: yes and it it is a band
0: but it still has your name in the marquee so backing up like half a light year or so uh, is did it start off as a solo project and then no. morph into oh, this? No, no, no. It started or as a it solo Was it always project. an intent? There was an intent to do a
1: solo record for sure. My dad passed away. It took three years with me being his primary caregiver, right, uh, uh, for him to pass away. It was rough.
0: And I'm sorry. It's hard. I, I, I've, I've gone, am, through gone
1: through something similar soon, recently. Very recently. So, yeah. And uh, so my father was in the music business, you know, and and he loved me with the bottom of his heart. But you know, he wasn't so much into the maximum R&B, the rock and roll, the punk rock stuff. Once he died, I said to myself, you know, maybe... You know, I don't write a lot of love songs, right? In the Bullies, the neighborhood Bullies, it's not a love song-oriented band. Or
0: if you do, there's a little venom
1: mixed in there's, with yeah, the Yeah, there's a little something going on, but so I said, you know, uh, I was in a mood, and uh, being inspired by my dad, who was also a songwriter, he'd passed away, and I wrote a love song, and then I wrote another, and another, and another, so we ended up with like 18 love songs. And I said, maybe now's the time to do this Solo record. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know if you notice, every song on the record's a love song. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a theme that I didn't notice till it
0: was done. But so here you are. Here, so that's that's here but we that, are. But the question is, does this remain a band? Does this remain a solo project? I guess. No, or this a little is a bit of both.
1: No, because in order to get this off the ground the right way, I had to literally not do what I do in the Bullies. In the Bullies, I'm like a despot. You know, I'm like a, I write the songs, I arrange them, and tell everybody what to play, and then we just do it. Seems to work out. But that's different. That's a different kind of music, right? Right. I wanted this to have a lot of heart and a lot of uh, a family feeling, a warmth. You know, we recorded it live to Two Inch. The whole record is live. So vocals and everything? Vocals, pretty well, no, not, not, n- yeah, no, not the vocals. Okay. Those were overdubbed. But otherwise, we're all there in the room, you know, whole song, guitar solos are live. That's, we didn't, there's no overdub guitar solos. And it's, you know, it's got a heart to it. And, uh, just wanted it to, to be,
0: I didn't want to carry the weight on my shoulders all on my own in this band, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So, for the rest of you guys, mm-hmm. you know, in this organization, uh, you know, knowing Davy's history, like, were you confident that it would then be a band situation that you would be allowed to contribute? Because everybody, I call it the benevolent dictator thing. <laughs> Because that's how I feel like I am in my band a little bit. I write the songs, I make the posters, and not, it's not necessarily because I'm a control freak, although there might be some of that in there as well. It's because if I do it, I know it will get done. Like for me, it comes from a very mid- midwestern place. It's a work ethic thing. Like I'm going to do this. I will be damned if I don't do this. And so you know, I'm motivated and I'm ambitious and I'm all these things. So if I do it, it will get done. You know, and I learned that I, as every band I've ever been, and as people kind of rotated in, rotated out, the co- one constant left of all that stuff was me. And I knew it would get done. I think
1: that's why the neighborhood bullies are cursed, because the one constant is me.
0: <laughs> You're the George Costanza of, I'm the of, of, Costanza black, of black, of Leather rock man. Yeah. <laughs> So, But seriously, but for the rest of you guys, go ahead and jump uh, in. Like, I think, you- uh, this,
3: is, this is Zach speaking. Uh, I think for this project, like, you know, Davey sort of established from the start, that he kind of wanted to do something natural and, and live feeling. So we did a lot of pre-production for it. I mean, we started running these songs, like, probably almost a year before we went in the studio to record them. And it was very leisurely, you know, like, we'd get together and we'd <laughs> hang out and we'd play a couple songs and go take a long break and talk play about Play a chorus, take a break. <laughs> yeah, Literally, yeah, play yeah, a, break. A, break. a song, take but 40 minutes. Yeah, it, it really went on for, like, you know, stretched out over almost a year before we went in the yeah. studio. And so the songs really sort of, you know, or the arrangements anyway, sort of came together fairly naturally just from playing them over and over again. So by the time we got in the studio, everybody kind of just knew what to do without being told.
0: Yeah. And as you were arranging them, you know, having, again, the comparing and the contrasting, um, with the bullies, Davey, you know, you've said flat uh, out. Yeah, I totally you arranged kind of, the
1: bullies. I'm, I'm, I totally arranged the bullies and uh, very strict. But in this band, actually, he's not here. Tony, our drummer, Tony Hawkins, he came up with at least five arranging ideas per song. So he gets
0: the arranger credit on the record. You know? I love that stuff. I mean, speaking from my own context, like I always wanted to have a band. Every, every album project I've ever started out started as a band thing. Right. And then, you know, doing it independently takes time. We don't have the money. We don't have the backing of a big label or if we did, it was a small label and they didn't have a lot of money either. So as we went through the process, people get married, people have babies, people move, get a job and they move out of town. People graduate from medical school and move to the Bay Area. All of these things are true. You're playing with happening. the wrong guys. Well, you know, they, but they do things. They People have lives, yeah. um, And so that, that tends to change over time. The way you have to go about doing it changes because the, the banding at the end of the day, again, you're left with yourself. Well, so my first album wound up being, was going to be a band and then it wound up being me. Second album, same exact thing, was going to yeah. be a band and it wound up being me. Yeah.
5: I think the Colin here, I think it's changed <laughs> over the years because when I was a kid, when I was getting into bands, it was always a band. And that was a constant for many years where... Someone had left the band, it wasn't the band anymore. Uh, I think now, yeah. particularly in America, England's uh, very stable with that. It's like you've got a band of five people, four people, whatever it is, and it stays, that's it. Well, when I got here,
1: it's an LA. It's thing. like everyone's it's playing, playing thing, with so many
5: different bands, I can't keep track of who the with and what the real band is. Yeah. Because it's always like, you know, even when it's I, LA. used to go, yeah. I see bands, and it's like one minute it's one set of people. I go to see the same band a week after, and it's completely (laughs) like different. It's a different band. Yeah. So I think it was. I mean, for a punter, I think it's hard to get into a a band band when it's a constant turnover because the the specific what's the word? Oh, you're so specific. Specific style. Yeah. You know, you take a band like Thin Lizzy. You know, it's Thin Lizzy. They had a lot. Well turnovers with, with one guitar player the rest of them is a stable thing yeah so you know it's them and then there's the paul yeah. and then the second paul and then the after kid. the first one died <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's just a weird way of work i've never worked like that till i got here it's yeah. interesting
0: i think it, uh, to davy's point i mean that's very much an la thing you know that I, I come from chicago mm. i've played in new york been all around for a long time and there was certainly some of that and there's some of that in every city but like the more active a city is it seems the more like Venn diagram, if you put the Venn diagram of every band of the friends of mine, mm-hmm. it would just be one big circle with a mm-hmm. little bit of bumps around the edges where people weren't in more than one band. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there are two sides to that coin. Seeing bands that I know and love and friends of mine play in Los Angeles with the turnover, it keeps it fresh in some regards, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't allow you to, d- to build a constancy of, of consistency of, of sound, of feel. People know what to expect when they come see you play. Like, hey, you go to see uh, the Davey and the Transatlantic. It's like, oh, I'm going to hear a great Colin solo tonight. I know I'm going to hear it. And you show up, and it's some other guy
5: yeah. or girl. I yeah. will well, tell you what. Also, is different now. It's like um, because of the lack of record contracts and the way the music business has gone now. It, years ago, it would be four or five guys with the vision of this is going to be it to get a record contract. Right. Then you get the record contract, then you get the artist development. Now, there's no music business to speak of. So people aren't that bothered yeah. about, yeah, I'll go and play with this person, I'll go and play with that person, because it's, a not a, you know, it's not a main it core a of people. So it's just a, a different way of doing Famous
0: it. music business stories. Tom Petty himself, you know, mm-hmm. one of the biggest acts in rock, they didn't want the band yeah. initially. Yeah. And can you imagine not wanting Terrible. Ben Tench, Mike Campbell, Back then it was uh, Stan, uh, uh, what's his name on bass? Ron Blair. No, Ron Blair. Ron Ron Blair. Howie they picked up out here. Uh, you can't imagine not wanting to keep those musicians. And then they all wound up in LA anyway, and then they all wound up being the same band anyway, mm-hmm. but that's a testament to how good they were. Yeah. In any case, why don't you guys play a live song?
3: Like Great, you, yeah. you guys
0: have dragged out some stuff here, and I can't, if people want to hear this stuff or see this stuff, there's going to be a video if you drop by indepday.com. Check out that stuff as well. So, what's this first song? Well, David?
1: on the record, this, is a, this one
0: is your kiss and tells for you. Okay. All right, this is Davey Michelle on the Transatlantics. The song is Your Kissing Tells. One, two. That was Davey, Michelle, and the Transatlantics. The song is your kiss and tells from the brand new record that you can pick up pretty much soon. You guys, like, look at your web presence. You don't have a very big web presence. You've got a Facebook page. Zero. No, don't even so have a
4: Facebook So
0: people will be able page. to pick up the, the record where exactly? iTunes. iTunes, Simple okay. Simple as that, yeah. Okay, so Davey, Michelle, and the Transatlantics. Look that up on iTunes. You'll be able to find it there. Uh, you can do vinyl or CDs or Yes, stuff? vinyl.
1: This is mastered for vinyl. Oh, very nice. Um, my friend here who's
2: mastering and mixed it, Preston, uh,
1: hey, Preston, why don't you explain oh, yeah. what
2: we're doing with that? Yeah, jump in, man. Well, as far as the release, I don't quite know. I know we, we did set it up to be mastered for vinyl. The entire project was done on tape, and the entire, the entire project was done with an effort to, I, I suppose if you would agree, to, to maintain that sound of the 80s. That we yeah, keep it in the box. This, we weren't yeah. going for the greatest, you know,
1: the yeah, greatest yeah, yeah. sounds.
0: Right. People don't really realize that when you you record something and you're going to, even if you've done it now, I mean, I have friends who work in the business, recording engineers, they said maybe Pro Tools and other technology just a few years ago finally got to the place where you can press something that's been digital onto vinyl and it's almost, it's now worth it. Whereas before you would basically be getting a vinyl representation of a 44.1. If you zoomed in, it would just be a vinyl version of that. But if you do a true analog path or even if you do a high, high enough resolution digital signal path, you know bit depth and all that kind of sample rate you can put that on vinyl or some people say now we've reached that point where maybe neil young wouldn't be able to tell i don't know we have to ask him but press so, so talk yeah, he's
1: know. like the, he is the mark he is the, yeah, mark. He's the so, mark.
0: so talk a little more like tell me like is if this was a you did some engineering and mixing on this is right lot, yeah did you full analog mix with outboard gear all that kind of stuff it was
2: mixed on a on a digital harrison 32c console which is as close as you can get to analog without being yeah. analog um, I would say the thing that sets the record apart was we spent more of our time on the pre-production side so that we were ready to play the songs when we went into the studio, Zach had mentioned. Uh, so by like the time we got in there, um, everything was ready to go and we knew the, knew what parts we were gonna play as opposed to this sort of modern day method of working, right, here's here's four bars of guitar, loop it. Here's three right. measures of drums, loop it. Can't we just copy and paste and move that about? We didn't do any copying, pasting, any of that. It was. 100% yeah. to tape.
0: And- the word you hear bounced around sometimes is stems. Stems, mm-hmm. right. right. Which is, you know, there's a thing, like I had a band in here recently and they're fantastic, excellent, excellent musicians with huge credit lists. But they will, like, even Kenny Arnoff will do this. He'll, you send him you know, like a click track and some chord changes, mm-hmm. and he or she will then just play a track in their home or their home studio and then just send you stems back.
1: Right. You couldn't right. have stems from this record because the yeah. microphones are there's picking... There's so much ev- bleed, everything's There's seven, up, eight, eight right. sometimes nine people in a room.
0: That was going to be my next question, is if you're doing this live, like how committed are you to then worrying about leakage between different instruments? We were instruments? hoping for a good amount of leakage. Yeah. 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 That's in old stuff. In fact, one of uh, yeah.
2: yeah. the songs, Love Goes to Hell, the, the reverb that you hear on the snare drum is actually done because we couldn't get rid of it it's actually the piano microphone making that sound so we, we couldn't eliminate it without yeah. eliminating the piano part entirely and if, of course if you take the piano part then you still hear it on the guitar mic right so there's really <laughs> not a lot of freedom there was no escape yeah, yeah. so we just mm-hmm. went with it
0: <laughs> yeah there, it takes courage to do stuff that way because once upon a time again forgive me if you guys don't know all this stuff but like that's how music was made but like That's why we did it that way. 80 years ago, there was a giant RCA mic, like the kind you'd see on a late night TV show's desk. And they put it in the middle of a soundstage room. And if you wanted the drums louder, you dragged the rug closer to where that microphone was. And if you wanted... The uh, thing of the, the oboe section to be quieter. Maybe you set up a baffle or push mm-hmm. them farther back in the room, and they all set up like that, like those room. Sinatra records and old, Our old rock and roll oboe section
1: got pushed a little too far back. You don't hear it, but there's amazing oboe stuff on this record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, pushed uh, out of the studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pushed entirely into door. someone else's <laughs> record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, these things are. It's. I, I commend you for the courage Thanks. to committing to doing it. We knew that going that way. into
1: that that this takes courage right and
0: and two inch tape as well i mean when i was in college we worked on two inch tape but we also had some non-linear digital music editing was just starting to kind of show up plus we had adats which were kind of like the best and the worst thing that ever happened at the same time (laughs) uh it opened up incredible new opportunities at the same time everyone's sound quality went right into the toilet right away it seems like Mm -hmm. but then they worked around that too uh but two two-inch tape, even back then, we're talking the '90s, was two hundred and twenty dollars a reel. Ro- we only reel. used a
1: couple rolls. We committed ourselves to a take.
0: We chose right off the bat we if we're keeping it or not. We in the studio. Yeah. Okay. So then, like the like the, the winnowing process of you didn't do like multiple takes of stuff. You just yeah. kind of boom. I mean, that's what we did. Unless
1: there was an issue. Unless we had an issue, like uh, I don't know. I, I think one song, I just kept playing the wrong note at the same place. Yeah. So we just kept going back to the top. But otherwise. Uh, no, it was just a couple takes per song, and we chose right then and there. We go in the control room and choose and
0: erase the other one. It's funny because, in the world that we're in now, the world of bedroom recording, where everyone's got a little desktop audio interface and a laptop, I mean, again, it's opened up incredible opportunities for bands to do things. I mean, you could. People overuse the word literally, but you could do a, an album on your phone mm-hmm. if you wanted to, if you were committed to that. And that would be a different challenge. That would be an interesting way to use technology. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that technology is just like any other development in the human condition. It can be used for – its its power can be used for good or it can be used for naught mm-hmm. or for ill. So you kind of choose what you're going to do. Like, you know, you, again, you said it was kind of mixed on a digital console – when I mixed my last record, the engineer who mixed some of the stuff, he did a thing where he had a great rack of outboard gear. So he would do a hybridized thing, mm-hmm. where even though we'd recorded on Pro Tools, he would Pro Tools, excuse me, he would run some things out through that analog gear and then back in through the board, mm-hmm. where some things stayed digitally. And there's also stories. Jesus, Pink Floyd, when they recorded "Delicate Sound of Thunder," right, took two-inch machines on the road to record everything, but then they didn't like the way certain things sounded on digital, so like some things were synced to a digital. Can you imagine the technicians yeah. yeah Travel with those guys? I'm
1: friends with Dave Bianco. Um, you guys know Dave Bianco. He has Dave's place up in uh, Sun Valley. Uh, all these Grammys, you know, for mixing, recording, and... and- Stuff like that, but uh, he was the kid. When he was a kid, he was the kid who they did the record "Rumors." But between every single drum hit, they took every piece of air out. Yeah. And in those days, that was with a razor, razor. and tape. Yeah. Yeah. and so a block of aluminum. There's a picture of him, when he's like 19, and he's like up to his legs in tape. You know, up to his knees. The r- he's in a room cutting yeah. tape. Yeah. I mean, that was. That's what it took, right? It's talk it's about
5: cut and paste. It's funny he mentions the phone thing recording on phones a mate of mine in the last olympics he did he got the gig to do uh, music for the tags the adverts and he sat outside starbucks doing it on his phone and he'd send it straight over to the studio the tv studio and it would be on tv the next day yeah and he's like it's the best job i ever had mate <laughs> He's sitting there yeah. having a cup of coffee recording tags and it's just amazing i mean you know going back to the 80s when i started early 80s it Doing this album is so refreshing because that's how it used to be, it reminded me how it was. And it was great because as a musician, it's so, e- it's so easy to fall into that trap now of, like you said, you know, record a bar, cut and paste it, right. that's the song. Yeah.
1: There's a mistake on every single song on this record, but it makes each song, to me, have more heart. Mm. Yeah. And this record has more heart than any record I ever did digitally.
2: I think that the thing that that has been lost, if anything's been lost, I've been a professional engineer since the early 90s, and it used to be, as Colin said, it, it used to be a performance. It was about, everything was a performance, not only just the playing of the song, but the actual mix down was a performance. You had three or four cats, and they would all sit there, all oh, right, that's your eight faders, that's your mm-hmm. eight faders, right. that's your faders, go. And we'd roll it, and if somebody missed it, you know, missed a fader move, we'd just rack it over and start it again. But the idea being, it was, it was still a performance, but until the time it was on two tracks, right, it was a live performance. And now it's entirely automated inside Proto. So we wanted to go back to that old way where you really think about what parts you're going to play and you really th- are thinking about the music a lot more than you're thinking about the technology, Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that, that it sums right. it up for real. That's yeah, good I mean, that's the world I it. came
0: up with, you know, now Good Lord, things have changed so drastically. You know, I was up at oh my Lord, how do we even begin this? I got invited to go to up Santa Barbara County in the mountains. A friend of mine works for a beer company, and they bring essentially a box truck. that's called a pour truck. All inside, basically just a, a driving tap machine is what it is. They fill it full of kegs. It's a refrigerated truck and then they can just, you you can rent one.
1: Sounds great. For your park, it's fantastic. Zach for just your birthday. Park
0: it in front of your house, right? <laughs> it's coming yeah. So he worked for a brewery and he had to go up to this like motorcycle ride-in event kind of thing when they had two tap trucks and I was just going along to be my buddy's wingman because I thought it'd be fun. Plus we got to camp while we were there mm. and I didn't, know what, I didn't know what to expect, but I did not get that, whatever it was. It was kind of a mixture of like Hell's Angels plus concert. In some ways it wasn't as wild as I expected because I've seen pictures of what those rallies and I've been through Sturgis and I know what that looks like. Uh, but in other ways it was wilder in ways that I couldn't have possibly imagined with bands playing with flash pots out in this field. In the mountains of Santa Barbara, the craziest thing, mm. you know, and barely got any sleep because they're up all night riding motorcycles back and forth and raising, just doing craziness. Um, but the PA system had no mixer; there was no front of house position even. All his entire PA rack was uh, was basically mic preamps in racks on the side of the stage, and then he had set up his own Wi-Fi network or I don't know if it was Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. I don't know how he did it, mm. but he had the whole thing on a, on a uh, an iPad. He would just walk around wherever he wanted to be and did everything. Now it's leaning on that technology. Hard. Well, the guy at the El yeah. uh, Ray does that. I've There's a guy it. named, Log-ex- some, Log-ex- I forget his yeah. name, I, at the El Ray. He's excellent yeah. at it, actually. Yeah. Now, it's not uncommon to have that iPad as an auxiliary to your front of house position. You eventually wander back there. Oh, right, where but you're they didn't con- even have a board. Because, they, I mean, if nothing else, I've been a front of house guy, a professional one, for a long time. I've made my living at that. And it gives you a place to hide. Or gives you a place to leave your water bottle or your backpack or your whatever. Like there's nothing. You're just out among the English mm-hmm. right there. And it was the first time I'd seen that. So is okay, that a slam? It's from Witness.
1: <laughs> okay. The movie Witness. Be careful
0: out there among the English. English to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do I get like to it. kill the English? Uh, but there was no no it, it was it, it I knew these things were possible, but it was the first time I'd seen it happen right. in real well, this life. This is so Crazy. Uh, organic. I mean, literally,
1: when we recorded this, when you hear the record, it sounds big and beautiful, but we are playing so quietly, it's ridiculous. I don't even have bass on my, I didn't put, I play my old B-15, all the period stuff too. We have, we had like 1930s guitar amps and- and, and Just
5: one? i just use that Gibson. Just one little, tiny little Gibson, right? And and my
1: amps, the old B-15, and I didn't even put bass on it because I just wanted to keep it as quiet as possible. You know, it was just straight up piano. What, we have one mic on the piano? two mics, but we, a stereo we didn't put it
2: inside, and we didn't no, we shove did the, it under. Uh, we did the Vince Giraldi micing technique. Yeah. Mm. What yeah. was that like that? It's just an XY pattern pointed at the soundboard. A lot of people think that the best way to micro, mic a piano is to put mics up near the hammers, but if you think about it, you've never listened to a piano with your ear near the hammers. Yeah, same as a guitar amp. Exactly, you, you never listen with your ear up inside it, So the way they did it in the 50s for those great jazz recordings was to mic the soundboard. Just point the mics at the soundboard. Because that's what's designed to reflect right. the sound. And of course you get the rest of the room with it, but that's yeah. what we were going yeah, for. Yeah, that's what we went. <laughs> we we literally did. You don't want. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sometimes we opened, opened the door to
1: his Leslie. We, we were missing it. It wasn't mm-hmm. spilling in enough. It right, mm-hmm. was too we much separation. We're like, why? Well, uh, yeah. We're not getting any of this on the rest of the mics. I, um, think,
5: I think the desk helped as well. We recorded on Supertramp's old desk.
0: Oh yeah, Breakfast and it's in a America Harrison to time. go with the Harrison.
4: Yeah,
5: yeah. So Davey, how
0: about a live song? You guys great, have come yeah. dressed for the occasion. You've got some, the record's great. I'm glad people should go pick that up. Uh, but you've come dressed for the occasion. You've got some great musicians here. You've got some great instruments here. What's the next tune gonna be?
1: Next, next song we're gonna play, I guess, is called Love Goes to Hell. When it dies, in parentheses. Wrote this one with my dad, uh, who gave me the idea but he said, you should write a song called Love Goes to Hell When It Dies. He goes, it's, you say you love me, you say you need me, you say you want me, but every song on the record's about love and loss, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, a lot of that going around. Seriously, yep. in my life, I mean, I, it's okay, some, of it's, uh, some of it's a function of the age. You know, Just this last week, I, I have two friends who lost parents Uh, someone else who lost someone else I mean it's it it, it happens all the time to everybody people are (laughs) that's the last thing you have to do in your life to check out right I don't say that to be passe it's just it's part of life but man it doesn't make it easier when it happens not at all okay Davey Michelle the transatlantics the song is Love Goes to Hell on Independence Day
6: Love can take you high than high It can take the dark from the night It can take you out of the rain and into.
0: My name is Joe Armstrong, the host of Independence Day. I pretty much do everything around here. I'm kind of like the guy who wears all the hats, and I have a lot of hats. So like a lot of people do these podcasts, man, check them out. Independent music is where it's at. A lot of people are making a lot of really great music. My father complains all the time there's not that much great music being made, and I think he is wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There is tons of great music. All you got to do is try a little harder to find it because the distribution channels are not like they used to be. One of the bands no, you sure. should know about is... Davey Michelle in the Transatlantics. You might remember him from neighborhood Bullies and other LA-based band. I used to call, I, I didn't this term just a few minutes ago, the black leather rock. Yeah. I like that.
1: I, I invented like motorcycle rock. rock and roll.
0: Motorcycle rock, yeah, similar. Maybe that's, I feel more, uh, what's that like band? Like He's a right? Rebel. Get the Vroom. motor running. Okay, step okay, yeah. wall. That's why I call
1: it black leather rock. We were a little rock. more He's a Rebel,
0: like yeah. Ronettes. <laughs> and uh, you have, And I noticed when you do the air motorcycle, you have two throttles. Yeah, yeah. I have two.
1: <laughs> it's a chopper too, can you tell? Yeah, hay <laughs> hangers
0: on there. Okay. All right, so this is a different kind of band. Different kind of band. If you're used to hearing him play in the neighborhood bullies, this is a different kind of experience. It's more of a blue-eyed soul R&B, old-school R&B sort of thing. Uh, It's a big band. Lots of guys in this band, some girls too. Great music. You should check it out. We're talking to them here today. Uh, And also check out the website, indepday.com. There's a web exclusive there. There's going to be another song. It's a live version of a song we've already heard. Uh, So check that out as well. Davey, gentlemen. Thank you guys for being here. Thank we you. We love it, it here. Notice how this, I exclude right? you from the gentleman title.
1: Yeah, you should. Davey and <laughs> yeah. the gentleman. Well, they are gentlemen. I
0: don't know about me. That's
4: the next any album. <laughs> uh, well, the next talk-
1: album is called Rude Not To. Rude Not To. All right, you heard Rude it here not first.
0: To. Uh, let's talk a little about writing. We touched on that just a little bit. And kind of before each song, we tend to give like a little bit of context about what each song is about. Great. But for you, you come from a family. Your dad worked in the business. He's got- yeah, My mother. a mother as well. I mean, I, I know more about your dad. Uh, but- mm. That runs in the family. So writing is a thing. And I know, you know, I've witnessed you. You came in very graciously for our 100th hundredth show, which we're almost at our 200th show now. So almost 100 shows I played shows a song ago.
1: I wrote like the hour before yeah, I got here. Yeah, you played a song that you had yeah. just written,
0: you, you know, and you played it on my nylon string guitar. Courage. Yeah. Jump, man. Like Ray Bradbury says, jump and build your wings on the way down. I, I admire that about <laughs> yeah. you. You're willing to just jump in and do it. Uh for, and Let's start off with the rest of you guys because we'll come back to David. We know what he good. thinks. He talks too much as it is.
3: But when he comes in with a song, how finished is it?
0: This can be anybody here.
3: Um, I would say it's a good 95% finished yeah. a lot of times when he comes in with a song. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're mostly just kind of putting the dressings on it most of the time.
0: Okay. Yeah. But we touched on this before. If one of you comes up with an arranging idea, Dave, you're open to the concept. Yeah, of like, we
1: all actually put in for that. It's not like I have to... In this band, I did not make every decision at all. I mean,
5: for me, uh, it was free to do whatever. Obviously, you have to play for the song. You know, you don't want to be whittling, waddling on a cliff top with a windblower. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it just the song sort of spoke for themselves. Yeah. So you sort of like hold back, but just be tasteful.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, he's so tasteful.
2: When press, <laughs> I mean, t- tell them. Well, he's some of the best guitar solos I've, I've ever oh, worked damn. on. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a pleasure to... Work on your tracks. That's oh, I'll give there was you that nothing vibe to do to his,
1: yeah, Literally, there was nothing to do to any of his tracks. whatsoever. practically no EQing? There was no. There was we just no, turned them no, up every song.
5: Yeah. God, I'm yeah. just blushing now. He is actually. <laughs> Easy. That really is. I am. I am.
0: yeah. Well, that's makeup's a getting look. That's a ch- your makeup's getting shiny. <laughs> that's is. a challenge in the modern day too, because we were talking about we we I, we've this has come become the light motif of our conversation this afternoon is like the old way versus the new way of doing things in the music business. And you can complain all day, whether they're good or bad, I'm not even gonna make a value judgment. I mean, some things I definitely prefer about the old way and some things I couldn't possibly have afforded to do it the old way. I couldn't afford a whole orchestra. you know. I can bring in one one cello player and one violin player and get a 20 piece string section if I've got the time. And that's great, that's incredibly creative and you can do amazing things by using the technology for good. Uh, But in this particular case, you know, you guys are kind of doing a mixture of the two to get to get what you're trying to get done, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, sure, yeah, you
0: can say that. Uh, so, in, in in the framework of this band, was there ever a discussion of? Like, I guess this mostly comes from you, Davey, like kind of top down, I guess, is this is going to be an R&B sort of thing, like a style discussion. Yeah, soul.
1: It, it, it's, they, all the songs
0: come from a soul direction. A couple of them
1: drifted off a little bit into some 80s, some, some of them drifted off into some uh, 50s, you know. Yeah. Uh, some of them got a little rockin', one of them ended up disco. It didn't start that way, they all started as soul songs. Mm-hmm. You know, simple s- vocal guitar playing it for
0: these guys kind of songs and then so then you guys basically you know you, you may have ideas about what this part should be when and where right but everyone kind of adds as zach as you said a minute ago you kind of add your two cents mm-hmm.
3: and you yeah kind of- i mean i think uh colin kind of nailed it with just trying to you know here's your instrument now play to the song sometimes yeah. that meant okay i don't play it all until the chorus you know sometimes it means okay i play really loud here yeah yeah, yeah. but for the most part i think uh you know davy would come in with a song that lyrics and chord changes and mostly form were there and you know maybe somebody would suggest let's not do the pre-chorus here or whatever something simple wait like that. that was you but that, probably. <laughs> yeah he fixed oh, a lot of songs that had too many parts uh, but yeah most of the time it was as an instrumentalist it was just sort of like you know like let's just do the right thing for this moment if it's yeah. a delicate moment maybe i lay out if it's you know
0: yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of these things are subtractive right like you think of it like you can think of there's metaphors all day long you can think of like writing your album or your song uh constructing it like a painting you add something to a blank canvas the tabula rasa concept trasa concept or it's more the other way to think of it is uh, i like it when sculptors talk about i don't work very much in sculpting medium i've never really i mean i've i carve pumpkins and i really like doing (laughs) that but uh you know i've never made something out of a block of wood, really. Maybe an art class in high school. But the the concept there is that what you're getting at is within that piece of stone or plaster or wood. It's already in there. All you're doing is taking out what doesn't belong.
1: We were very aware... A
0: subtractive art.
1: Of that. We were very aware of being as dynamic as possible. Once things get a little big, let's we'll bring it back down here. So that was something we actually did work on. You know, we, all, we rehearsed this record for like 10 months. Well,
3: I also uh, think the songs are well-written enough that they were able to sort of inform to us what they wanted. If I that think makes so, any yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. the songs sort of dictated yeah. to us like what was appropriate. If the
0: songs are well-constructed enough and Davey with your history, I know they always are, the song will inform, it will, the song will tell you if you listen properly mm-hmm. with the right kind of ears, what should be there and what shouldn't be there. You have to trust in that, trust in yourselves, trust in your commitment to that style, whatever that is. I think it's fascinating, you know, bands, When they get started, sometimes it's just it's the uh, conglomeration of those people, those personalities, that time, what they come up with at that time, those people, those songs, that time, Uh, and in some bands like this one in the Transatlantics, you kind of have like a lighthouse, you know, that old school R and B type thing is is the way we're gonna do.
5: Yeah, it's just the way it works, right? Yeah, Um, I think less is more as well. We all believe in that. It's like you can say so much with one note and you see some kids mm-hmm. try to play a thousand notes a second and it's just pointless. Yeah. It's like that one note can either make it or break it at the right place. Yeah, we should now you get the, the fact I think that- we
2: all share that. As yeah, as yeah. I yeah. think we all, yeah. we all have those records that we, we, we talked about this in our, in our copious lunch breaks and smoke breaks that we took. Many. <laughs> Many of those, that we, we, t- we talked about the, the sensibilities that sort of inspired us as musicians. Yeah. And I think we all have that same. We've all, we're n- none of us are young. This is not our first <laughs> project. Yeah, yeah. Zach, you're the all, youngest
1: one in the band, man. I'm he's the baby. <laughs> I remember years ago all, I was talking to We all, to, all
2: appreciate uh, that sort of ability for yeah. one note to just hold and everybody else just to stay away. Plus, and, he's, uh,
1: Colin anything. here is really good at that. So we, all we yeah. have to
3: do is stand back.
1: Just
0: let him do his thing. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. also uh, you know being in a band with a lot of players and having a respect for all the other players in the band is you know you're not trying to play all the time because you want to hear yeah. what the other people are doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, also so. it's it's indicative of a, of a larger band as well. You know when you're in Van Halen and each person there's only one person doing each of those things, not counting background vocals because that's the on the other vocal on top of the lead vocal or behind the lead vocal. There's one guitar player, one bass player, one drums, no percussion, there's Outro. no tambourines. It's a power trio with a singer. Zeppelin was the same way, although Zeppelin was more diverse in terms of that. And, and Van Halen themselves, even there was, eventually there were keyboards and then eventually overdubs and those kinds of things. But I guess what I'm getting at, and this, Colin, you reminded me of my original point, which was in the era, in the modern era of being able to rewind overdub infinitely, mm-hmm. I feel like people lean on that more than they lean on chops. It used to be you had to know how to play your instrument or you did not get the gig. Now the difference is there aren't paying gigs like there used to be. So right. the industry supports the ability to go back and rewind and do things a million times over. Yeah. You know, if you don't get that lick, do it again. You can set literally set up pro tools to re-overdub that 2 second lick indefinitely and just keep it'll just keep cycling back and you just keep recording that riff until you get it the way you want it to get. Yeah. Again, we can spend the rest of the day judging whether that's good or bad or we can just get on with it. Make our music and go to the pub when we're done, which is, you know, in some ways the a way different type to, of efficiency. Yeah. The way it used to be.
5: Yeah, and I you think had to it, learn how to play your instrument. You did. I mean, kids become so dependent on it now. It's like I see players and they, and they can't play, to be honest. Yeah. The great, <laughs> that it, part that they've Colin. recorded, but the rest it's like, well, where's the next bit then? And it's like, well, like, right. there isn't the a next bit, mate. And it's like, all right. right. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Talking, I've never played it once. Uh, I've never played uh, it. From yeah, top it's from top the table. crazy. <laughs> Because years ago, you would never get a gig in a band. I mean, if you want to do it in the bedroom, fair enough. But it's just shocking. But saying that, I see the benefits, and it's great. Technology is brilliant. Yeah. Used in the right place. Um, Yeah. But as far as parts go, I remember years ago, I talked to uh, David Rhodes, Peter Gabriel's guitarist, like you do. And we were just having a chat. (laughs) And uh, he says, "Look, I look at it like I'm playing a guitar. You've got a bicycle wheel and there's gaps, there's the spokes, and then there's nothing. He says, why would I want to, f- the, the, those gaps are there for a reason. Maybe not now, because technology changes, but he says, I play around those gaps and leave the gaps to breathe, so it makes it go around. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that makes sense to me. And then we had lots of drinks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't but play yeah. that good,
5: I, just try, I can't play fast.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, I picked the easy instrument, too, a bass. Let's, let's be real about bass, it's right? <laughs> One note at a time. Pretty much the note you're supposed to play is yeah,
3: the tonal center. Yeah, bass is all about feel, and you've got great feel when you yeah, play it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh.
0: Well, bass, I, I have a position yeah. on this, and then I want to hear another live song right after this, but like, uh, bass to me, it's, like, uh, it's not a heroic instrument. Unless you're Jocko or Sting and you're drawing attention to yourself, it's, it's the glue right yeah it is everyone the, ultimate. the band needs that glue like them or hate them uh uh white stripes always sounded unfinished to me mm-hmm. they got very popular and there's something cool to what they do I'm, i won't take anything away from them but it always sounded unfinished mm-hmm.
1: i had the same there conversation was no glue. with somebody and they go and i and and uh they said well your favorite band doesn't even have a bass player and i'm like what and they said little walter right cuz he knows that my little walter is my number one favorite He's like, there's not even bass on that. I'm like, yeah, there is. You just have to turn your stereo way up to right. hear it. But he's there, but it's not loud.
0: Right. You know? He's but it
1: glues it together.
0: Yeah. And if you were to actually remove that, it would sound weird. Well, there's also, here's a technology thing. You seem to like techno nerd stuff. Uh, original radio uh, technology wasn't able to reproduce frequencies below a certain frequency. So when you would hear Glenn Miller or the earlier bands even playing live because that's the only way they could do it there was no tape when they would play live and you'd hear it playing out of your radio you wouldn't hear any bass no none of, none of because it. because the, 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 it was there but the, re, the technology wasn't capable of reproducing those notes now if you took that bass player away now here's the key if you took that bass player away from that session because well we can't hear it why should we have it the band would come tumbling down like a house of cards because yeah, the band needs that blue mm-hmm. for real so it, that's the thing. It's it's almost psychoacoustic in a way. It still needs to be there, and eventually it was there, and it, it's you know it all makes sense. You know, that I helps. always wanted to play re- bass in a reggae band because like yeah, they I've almost play lead bass. Yeah, it's lead bass. It's like you know. It's yeah, like, yeah. You know
1: it's so is diff- funk, R and B. I play a lot yeah. of R and B gigs, and it's basically I do it because it's it's gets your rocks off. Yeah. bass wise, yeah, yeah. bass is like the star of every song. <laughs> the guitar <laughs> players
0: all ding.
1: Yeah. Ding, ding, you know, in the face. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe a little phaser pedal or a wah-wah every now and again. An envelope still, filter. Ding, 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 <clears> yeah, that too. All right, live song. What's next, Davey? Next on our list
1: is uh, Just One Word for Love. I wrote this song with Mike Chapman, who's that famous songwriter and producer. Produced Blondie, The Knack, The Sweet, all that stuff. Friends of the
0: family. And uh, he and I sat down, got super drunk, wrote this in about 25 minutes. Okay, Davy Michelle and the Transatlantics. The song is Just One Word. Is there was a subtitle there, too? What did you say? For Love. Just One Word, For Love. I love it when there are parentheses. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Davy Michelle and the Transatlantics. The song is on. Just One Word, Three, For Love.
6: Just one word for love. All the other words are never enough. If you want to be mine, stop wasting time. There's just love. can try to convince me, feed me a lie, stroke on my ego, and tell me you're mine, you can tell me you want me, I can feel that you do, but once not the one word is just, 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 yeah. just one word for love. Yeah. Just one word. Just one word for love. It's just one word. Yeah. One yeah. Word it's just, just, one, word just one. Just one word for love.
4: Yeah.
0: My name is Joe Armstrong, host of Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday nights, bring you bands from around the country and around the world. This band, as I said before, qualifies on both levels. Davey. Michelle and the transatlantics, band from both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. We've got. Uh, what exactly did you say you were? In? Not technically Britain, Colin. What are you exactly? Uh, Manx, Manx. Yes. Which is from the Isle of Man. The Isle of Man.
5: Yeah. Which is known for motorbike racing, cats with no tails, and the Bee Gees. That's where they were born. Good work. Good Very love. good. On work. all counts. And a ta- yeah tax haven. I said that, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. About donkeys
3: haven.
1: too, right? Yeah. Don't you guys do things with donkeys? <laughs> Only on a it's Sunday, doesn't it? Easy no, I'm
3: just saying. Pete Townsend <laughs> wrote about in... Uh, on the beach, yeah. The
0: sand. Yeah, yeah, in the sand in the Isle, Isle of Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Preston, you're from farther north, even still. A bit
2: further north, yeah, a bit west of Glasgow, a place called Paisley, which we're known for heroin and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and rain.
0: And, so now tell me, for the, for the guys who are on the other side of the ocean, what brought you here as opposed to Sting. There's a rich musical tradition in England or Scotland or the Isle of Man,
5: Yeah, many, yeah. many,
0: many music festivals. But why well, why come here? Why not just stay in your, your place and do well, it there?
5: Well, I escaped the Isle of Man when I was 17. And I, I was at the right place at the right time. I met this guy who was looking for a guitar player in Newcastle. So I went over, auditioned, and got the gig. And that was me out. It was the great escape. From there, I went to London and... I. In I had a deal with Arista Records, uh, thanks to Whitney Houston, because she was keeping the English side of the company alive and well. And that was great. I mean, that was the days when there was money. We spent s- eight months doing the first album, Lockout. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fortunes. Fortunes. And th- I'll never forget signing the contract. They gave us a check for 300,000 pounds, and yeah. that was just to live on. That was apart from the recording costs, everything. That was one of my a, favorite new phrases, it was a different time. It was a different yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, anyway, from that, I did a lot of sessions. Uh, I, got, I had a band together, and then I came over. Uh, Tim Palmer, my good mate, producer, he's done quite a lot of people, <laughs> uh, said to me, we were playing around London. He says, mate, the sort of stuff you're doing right now it's not flying in England. You need to go to LA. So we did, and um it was good and then we, we a further part of that band uh we got a deal with universal here so i i was back in london we were all back in london and it was just that it's like fine i knew the score here because i'd lived here for about a year so uh it was like great let's go back to l.a so thanks to universal and the guy i remember driving down malibone road in london and uh, it was the first days of the cell phones and it my phone went, and this guy on the other end says, Oh, hi, this is Luther Vandross's manager. Universal want to sign the band. So if we, I'm thinking this a mate of mine in the pub taking the piss. So I'm like, Yeah, I'll be there in about 10 minutes, mate. So he says, No, call me, call me back. I'm in New York, which I did, and it turned out to be genuine. So, yeah, so that's uh, LA um, for me has changed, but the music scene, this. Got some good bands coming up. I mean, Zach, for instance, you know, his own thing's great. He's churning out albums left, right, and centre. And we play also for him when he goes out then again.
1: Yeah, we're so, we're yeah. also the is, Zach Jones
2: band.
5: There oh, very nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's that's why I'm here. Preston, how about you? Thank you.
2: you? <laughs> I I I'm, I I'm actually I actually came here through TV work. I started at the BBC, um uh, cutting voiceovers and doing laugh tracks. Uh, and a mate of mine told me there was some work to be had at uh, National Geographic in Washington DC, so I went there. That led to the Discovery Channel, and then I got sick of that. And came to LA. <laughs>
0: yeah, were you playing music all along as yeah, you did those other things? Yeah,
2: playing music all along, but, uh, but not really, uh, never professionally. Uh, my mum was a church organist, and most of my experience was playing in churches. That's part of our sound.
1: Yeah, that's literally. I'm not joking. You guys can giggle yeah, if you want, but yeah. that's one of the indispensable parts of the sound. That's because of I band. don't play
2: like a rock and roller. I yeah. think he doesn't, he doesn't know what like He doesn't know our cliches. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: uh, the,
0: the band U2. I think is probably the best example of people who learned how to be a band while they were playing their instruments. Mm. Yeah. it's kind mm. of evident. Whether again, whether you like them or not, they definitely have a distinctive sound. Mm. Right. Right. Nobody sounds like that band. There's always every now and again. I feel like a band comes along. We're an artist, like I say. It's like a band that launched a thousand other bands, launched a thousand ships. The ones that I think of are Velvet Underground, you know, uh, Velvet Underground, Zeppelin, uh, Radiohead. More recently, Mm U two, the Beatles, of course. You know, they there's a million imitators. Van Halen was the one in the eighties. Like everybody wanted to sound like Van Halen for ten years.
5: You know, again, good
0: or bad, and it's usually the progenitor is usually you know good at it. And then there's like decreasing levels of quality as you get farther we away from the source. We were conscious of that
1: on this record as well. We did not want to be imitation soul music. We didn't want to be, yeah. ooh, this is gonna be like a 60s record. We really just played true to the song, which is why yeah. some of them ended up, they all started out soul songs. Some of them ended up sounding like, like uh, Squeeze. Mm-hmm. Some of them ended up sort of almost B.G.'s meets Jimmy Buffett, however you could possibly yeah, yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Some of them really are MOR songs, like a 70s LA
0: rock right. and roll music. That's a challenge. Yeah, I we, think that's we let it a go big too. Challenge we didn't because, put the noose around it. You know, you can put your band in a box and say because those like the the music industry ebbs and flows on these waves of styles that kind of rotate in and out. You know, like when I was in high school, the Grateful Dead inexplicably became the biggest band in the world for a couple of years there, mm-hmm. so everybody wore you know tie-dyes for a while, and everybody wore Birkenstocks for a while, and everybody, wore, everybody wore patchouli for a while. They, yeah. Love him or hate him, whatever, it doesn't matter. stop bathing for a while. Bat- Bat- no, people no stop bathing,
2: bathing yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, people stop <laughs> yeah. bathing. And, Wait,
0: uh, aren't you and I graduates of the same college the same year? Uh, well, I did go to Berklee College of Music, but I did not stay there. I did not finish there. Okay. okay. We did go there. I but was well, there in we 89. There? Yeah, I was there 89. Yeah. yeah, we could have we could have drank beer in the same room together. Yeah, probably. Did I've, you go to a party on uh, <laughs> Went to on a lot of parties. Aberdeen Street, where the floor fell in because we were all dancing so much. I oh man, so many parties okay. uh, of of And I, I don't mean that to be like Mr. Party. <laughs> well, Guy. also Zach, you know.
3: Did you know James or Sarah?
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Well, when I was there, there were th- like seriously three girls in oh, the whole. Okay. School. Yeah, there
1: were three, and they were terrified of us,
0: and it was. Uh, <laughs> I the, the my th- I was lived at 150 Mass Ave, which was like the main Berkeley dorm, and the water tasted terrible. Yeah, dirty water. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the standouts. Terrible, 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 terrible. So butter now, water. And we were I was a poor college kid, so we'd go to these parties in these like uh, brownstone like row houses, like the whole block would be connected, right? Which you know where I came from in the suburbs of Chicago wasn't like that. Chicago itself has some like that. But what we learned is we'd go to a party and you could go up on the roof on the roof, over, over and three down. houses down, and people would leave those five-gallon jugs. And back then they were glass. Yeah. And they would leave these five-gallon jugs of water when they got their water delivery. So we would go like to a party, you know, drink a bunch of rum and Roman steal Coke their water. out of an aluminum <laughs> stock pot, and then go walking around on the roost and go down to steal water. And then we'd schlep them back by hand. Those things aren't light all the way back to the dorm. And then the, the there was a security guard right at the at the 150 Mass Ave, right by the door. And he would just, Saturday night at 1 a.m., we'd all rolling in. Each of us has got five gallons of water over our shoulder. And he just kind of, okay, you know, what am I gonna do? Where'd you get that, son? What am I gonna say? You know, I stole it, I swear I got it. But then we had water and it was it was difficult getting it out of there without that dispenser too. Again, we're poor college kids. That's mostly what I remember from Berkeley.
5: Why would yeah. you drink water when you've got beer? I mean, me and, me and Preston come from a different culture on that one. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I would not drink water if there's beer around. Yeah. In the day, I haven't drank you know. for eight years now. But that's why that was a pastime. <laughs> I'm yeah, exactly. I'm still now because now not. Now I I'm want drinking I now. You're not. I won that. I know.
0: I'm kidding, I'm just busting your chops. All right, man. Uh, but our thing was, we would have, uh, it was so cold there, you could do this in Chicago too, you know, we didn't have fridges in our dorm, we would just stack get up the cans of the, beer. on the fire escape. On yeah. the, um, Just on the windowsill. Yeah. And that's where, that, that was our refrigerator, and that's where we <laughs> kept our beer. Anyway, one more thing I want to get into before I want to get into this last song, because otherwise this, this, this interview will be a thousand years long, which I would like, but not necessarily everybody wants to listen to a thousand, an episode. Uh, one more Berkeley story, real quick, because it was, Colin, something you were saying was reminding me of this, was that I was there in the heyday of speed metal.
5: For right. guitar yeah, players. We were there.
0: Sorry. Uh, there Remember were, that
1: guy, Sludge, who used to stand yeah. in the middle?
0: You know Sludge? There were actually these, there was a guy, I'm not sure if this is the same guy. He had the guy. little mini stack? Well, he would do the drill, like yeah. that guy from the video, and he put three picks on an electric drill, and he would play the guitar- <laughs> In the hallway of the dorm. With the drill. And like, I mean, such amazing musicians, such amazing musicians there, but I felt out of place. Because I was not, because it was, and every day in the cafeteria, it was warring factions of jazz heads versus metalheads, yeah. and I was neither of those things. Me neither. I was then and remain now, uh, kind of a Joe Walsh guitar player. Sure. Functional. Mm-hmm. You know, I can play my parts. A songwriter guitar songwriter. player. Songwriter. I'm very interested in arranging of both guitar parts and guitar tones. Less is more is perfectly acceptable mm-hmm. to me. I was also a Gilmore head, so, like, I don't need to play particularly fast. I want to play melodically. Yeah. And I felt like I never could find a place there because, like, I'm, seriously, my buddies, it was every day in the cafeteria. This guy, jazz sucks. No metal sucks. No rock sucks. And back and forth and They're back both and run. forth. And back and forth. It's like... <laughs> Well, they're both right. Both, I just didn't want to hear it anymore.
1: The funny thing there is that you you have the dichotomy that you're talking about, which is the guys that play jazz. They want to use words like peruse. They want to just like they just want to ooze the jazz. And then the metalheads are so up to here with them that they even might closet love jazz, but they're gonna say it's stupid in front of the other guys. It's you know it's like I'm from Brooklyn, people from Montreal for some reason. We have a rivalry. I don't get it, but we don't really not like each other. But we just definitely give that's each just other what hell. People
2: do. Yeah, that's just what people yeah. do. Yeah,
1: so it keeps it lively. It's I mean, fight. it's immaturity but too. But also, we were all kids. You know, how, um, you know, Berkeley trombone player on his way to a gig gets you know. I already
5: blew the joke. But forget that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I don't know you lot in America going no. to colleges and stuff. I can't read a It note. was
1: such a waste of time. It was stupid. Uh, it was just well, for fun. It was to pull yourself out.
5: Years Jail ago, mate of mine, yeah, he was going to music college in Newcastle where Alan Holdsworth went in the, the day. And I was thinking about it. He says, mate, if you go there, whatever you've got, they're going to take it away yeah, from
1: they you. Yeah, they try to take yeah. it away. So
5: I didn't. I just went to the pub. And- it was yeah, interesting right. for me.
0: I learned something very important at Berkeley, which was what to do and what not to do. Because yeah. I come from blue-collar people who don't have a lot of college degrees. Right. I come from working stock people. Same, same, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what college even was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the first time I went to a college bookstore, which was at Columbia College in Chicago, so I get accepted to Berkeley for the spring semester, so I had to like kill a semester. And I wanted to go somewhere, because I knew I wanted some schooling. And like the girl, like I met a girl in one of my classes, I didn't even know how to pick out my books. She took my schedule and walked around. It was like, it was almost like out of a sitcom. She helped pick out all my books for me, put them in my car. this is what you need. And I was forever in debt, you know? And then you learn all these other things. But when I go to Berkeley, uh, I learned what I missed. I missed, because it was an all music school, right? I missed the English majors, and I missed the political science majors, yeah. and I missed the nursing majors, and I missed the people who were into different disciplines because as someone, Davey, as you put it, who was a songwriting guitar player, I need all that stuff. Mm. Right, I'm interested in being a guitar player, but college for me was just what you kind of logically did when you were upwardly mobile in the '80s in America. Mm -hmm. Your my parents were like, "Hey, you should go to college," and I said, "Okay, that sounds great." I saw Animal House. That's exactly what I want. My parents said, "You should go to the pub." (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Well, you see, my dad didn't drink. My mom didn't drink. So you know, I had to forge my own thing. I had to invent my own drinking thing too. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to talk about uh, before we uh, do the last song here, which is that. Uh, you know, every band has kind of like a life cycle. You guys are starting out at this. What is the plan? What is the goal? What is the, like, where do you want to take Davey Michelle and the Transatlantics? And we've had 12 years to think about the bullies and what they've done and what they may yet do. But what do you want to do with this band? I mean, I
1: want what everybody really wants.
0: I, I want this music to be heard
1: all around the world. I want us to travel all around the world. I mean, I'd, it'd be great if, if we could make a living out of it, but I'm sure that's sort of hopeless by now. But um, I would just really love I'm for Mature musicians for us are so to, much more uh, realistic, David. Yeah, I'd, I'd really, really love it for, for us to have, um, just to be heard. I think people will really love this music. People will relate to this record. That's a different record than
0: I've ever made. Yeah, uh, the, you know. Do you have like in, in, I say industry support? That sounds like such a thing in this town, but I don't mean in the buzzword. I can't
1: word. talk about that right now. I don't mean I'm it shopping in, the, in it. the
0: buzzy word thing. Yeah. But but are you hoping to have management and like some kind of label to help with distribution, that kind of thing?
1: Well, okay, I'll tell you what we're looking for. Okay? okay, we did this record in two days, right? Twenty songs in two days. It, we whittled it down to twelve, economic for money reasons or whatever. Um, the the point is, is I was I, I'm offering honestly because it was so inexpensive to make complete master rights to whoever would really pretty much we're talking to about signing, um, and with hopes that they could simply, I just all we want is a stamp of a re- of the good the right. right record label that we want so that we can get the right press because I think we think that this music really sort of speaks for itself. Right. I've already sent it around to some big writers. And th- I'm getting; they're jumping at the chomping at the bit. You know, there's guys that are great writers. I can't believe they want to write about it. So I'm really relaxed about all this. I think all we need is a good label, just to get us in the right magazines and people will find us.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the infrastructure of the music business, as the rest of it is kind of collapsed and yeah, then kind of like left. feebly rebuilt itself, yeah. such as it is, whatever sure. it is. Right. That's one of the, that's the reason I started this show. But look to at talk Elvis. about
1: Colonel was just really good at. Dealing with the press, we got the Sun label just because it was the best label in town, right? Right. Not like they could do anything better than anybody else, right? Right. But the Colonel was like, "All we need is the right label, and I'll, you know, I'll handle the press."
0: Yeah. We're at a strange place in the music business now, you know. Just uh, very, very recently, uh, physical media is outselling other things. Right. I read for the first time. Fascinating stuff. I, I I don't want to say I predicted it, but I will say that I think that there is a human imperative to want to like have something tactile. A, yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't need to be a, a, a disc of something. It's been a disc for a long time, but then it was a little cassette for a while, right? And it was a different right. style, annoying cassette for a while too. Mm-hmm. But the point of that is, is that people do, you know, music is still something that people share together. Vibrations in air. You want to get all, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the word about um, Sedona about it. You know, shooting sure. with crystals Vortex. Vortex and all <laughs> yeah. those things. But it is a magical thing. And people you know you go to a concert it's experience, right? And even though you can play an m p three or stream it on your phone while you're doing whatever, the same way, people still want to commune, you know, and share these things with each and other.
1: and it's it's yeah. a strange thing. You can go to a show and have completely different experiences there, depending on what you how you want to experience it. Sometimes, yeah. you know you just you want to feel it really. Sensor, you know, you want to really let your senses come alive. Sometimes you just want to dance with your friends. It could be the same song. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it's magic and it puts you into another place. And sometimes just gets your feet,
0: just gets your feet going. And music is all these things and so much more, which is why it's the most important thing in my life and will always be. Uh, But people do want that type of experience. And to have that physical media, again, I think, you know, as a generation came up and didn't have any of it, I felt like they were kind of in the wind. Yeah, you know they they had the music, but they weren't. Um, um, I mean, maybe they, I I shouldn't really speak for them, I guess. But they it seems like they lacked some kind of emotional connection to something because now they're longing for it.
1: Well, because now they're the
0: same ones who are ponying up and paying for the it.
1: young people. Yeah. <coughs> I happen to know very well because I have you know an adult daughter yeah, who's yeah. just new, newly an adult, and I have a you know teenage seventeen year old boy. All their friends, all these kids, they're actually into our music again. You guys, they yeah. want mm-hmm. the '80s. Yeah. They just think they re They recognize the freedom in the '80s, the the, um, the different. You know, the total. You know, everything was people, different in the '80s.
2: People recognize. I'm a music teacher, and I, th- I think uh, the thing that people recognize is when you care about what you're doing. We, we we put a lot of effort into this record, and it shows. And when I teach my music students, sometimes they are often asking me, "Well, you know, when I listen to a Led Zeppelin record, I can I can hear things that I can't hear in modern recordings. And I don't know that I can't speak for every recording, but when you're recording one bar and looping it for a whole tune, to me, that's not caring. <laughs> that's yeah. not yeah. caring about the song. That's caring yeah. more about when you're going to be done with the song than it is yeah. caring about the song. There's
0: an example, and a case could be made on either side of this that you a drummer is mostly playing time. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Mostly. Generally, mostly. S- generally speaking, what you want that is Steve Ferroni is brilliant Pulse. at that. Yeah. He can play circles around everyone, but yet kick, snare, hi hat you lock into that groove and you're playing time because especially that's playing to the song a lot of times that's, that's come up a few no times. No drummer our...
5: should have more than that.
4: <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: The, uh, what's that, the Petty tune, you don't know how it feels. He never hits the crash cymbal. Pay right. attention next time you hear it. Brilliant, brilliant choice. And whether that was his idea or Petty's idea or you know, the producer's idea, which I think was Ruben on that record. Uh, it's still intentional. You know that's intentional. They said do not do this on well, this. Well, Miss and
1: Judy's farm's the same.
0: It's, the it's perfect, yeah. right? Now, <laughs> on the flip side, but I love this for another reason, listen to uh, Steve Miller's The Joker. Next time you're listening to that song, pay attention to what the drummer does in the first verse. Yeah. It makes no sense whatsoever when he's hitting those crash cymbals because there's the time i play a little bit of drums too so you kind of feel when it's coming up it's an accent note for when a chorus starts or uh he hits a right word but he's all over the place in the middle of that verse there's one point he hits three in a row every other it's like a, a whole a half note i think and it's it's i love it though like, when you're in a bar like i can't not laugh out loud when i'm in the bar another like side
1: of that is in in the you can go completely the other, the other way and listen to like old uh, uh um, Wilson Pickett songs and mm-hmm. it's the dude's literally riding the crash symbol yeah. the
0: whole time. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. you know, it's, uh, he's riding it but it's a crash.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. I call it the Alex Van Halen thing when I want my drummer to do that I'm like ride the crash. That's, they that's, fight that's the on thing. it every time. They're yeah, like, yeah, they oh, do. come on, let me be tasteful. They're like, trust okay. me. Last question that I want you to play this song. <laughs> I've been kind of, I'm not exactly building up to this but it's something I was thinking about this afternoon when I was talking about, uh, when I was thinking about interviewing you guys is that You've talked a lot about how much work you put into the pre-production, how you played these songs for nine months or a year, how you worked on the songs, brought them all together, picked the right players, you've assembled this band. There's one key facet about when you do a band live or do an album live like this, you can lose the spark. If you've recorded, if you've played those songs too many times, because I know you know this, coming from the bullies and from other we styles were of music, we are also aware of that in rehearsal. That's why we took long right. breaks. That's why. Well, that's why I'm asking you. You give a tongue-in-cheek answer, but it's a real thing. No, it's real. So, is that how you Absolutely. specifically? I'm how you very
1: aware? I didn't want you know, and I made them leave the recording I didn't let anyone sit in there. I mean, not like I didn't let. I requested that we didn't get bogged down in the studio, and when we would start getting a little too muso. At rehearsal, we'd stop and take a 40 minute tea break. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. they drink tea. I mean, we're
5: all our own worst critics. When yeah. you listen to yeah. yourself, you're like, whoa, that's a bit harsh. But the good way is, it's like you just have to stand back because you can yeah. be there for years. Yeah. Um, well, we so, still yeah. were there for years, but we did well, it we, because yeah, of our but pace. A but a lot of tea and a lot of crisps. Yeah. Be,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, that's just it. You're going to put the... If it's going to be a good product, you're going to put the thought into it one way or another. Sometimes that thought is the pre-production. Get it all ready, go in, do it, and get out. The other way that you know I'm, I'm working towards doing next is going in and like not telling the people the songs. Right. It's a different type of forethought, and you have to have a different type of courage because you have to be willing to jump into the ether then Absolutely. and get what you get. And it's fascinating in a different kind of way. And each of these sorts of things foments a different feel out of the project. So I'm, I'm happy to hear what you're doing is good because it's, it's courageous to do it either way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating to have a big band, to have a band that's hand-picked, to have songs that's kind of a de facto solo album but not at the same time. Right. So, you know, kudos to you for doing these Thanks. kinds of things. Last song. What's this last song? Oh, be? this one's called Love is for Lunatics. It's the title track of the record. The reason it's
1: the title track of the record is uh, didn't realize how autobiographical the record was until it was finished. And this sort of goes along with my, what's going on in my life lately. So love is for
0: lunatics and I'm convinced of that. It's interesting how I feel like albums aren't necessarily, all albums are not, certainly not concept albums but I feel like the album will reveal what it wants to be to this you. This is freaking me out about mm. this record. I yeah. had no clue what was going on in my life
1: when I was writing it, and now we listen to it. It's, it's a blueprint for the last few years of my life. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's
0: heartbreaking, hard for me to listen to. Yeah, music's funny that way. I have another close friend. Uh, professional musician, has been for 20 years, tours full-time, he's like one of those hardcore capital F-O-L-K folk musicians.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: like, I call him Peter, Paul and Mary folk because yeah. it's old school, it's not, it's not like Iron and Wine folk or, or Suffian Stevens folk or even Nick Drake folk, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> old school folk, right? Yeah. And it's brilliant in its own okay. way and I love this guy. But he went, he's went through a divorce since his last record. And so have I. And it takes a while to do a record, even though it took you maybe two days in the studio, it takes you months. Yeah. Of work oh, yeah. and things transpire in your life. Mm-hmm. You lose a parent. You lose a spouse. You lose a dog. You you know. Or you get some other thing. There's a national tragedy. Some jackass flies a bunch of planes into a bunch of buildings. Mm-hmm. Things happen during that process because it's, it's, even though you can squish that down pretty short, it still takes months to do a record. And I think it's interesting how a lot of musicians and I'm you know they the things that they go through through the course of that has an effect on the music where they look back. Like my friend couldn't wait to get that record done and out because he hated that period of his life and didn't want to relive it. But it was still there and it still happened. It's like a tattoo. It's infused into that music forever. Now, he just, you know, as a musician, you're on to the next thing, next album, next song, next rehearsal, whatever, next beer.
1: Not us. Uh,
0: (laughs) Not for me anymore. But uh, so, anyway, I don't know. I just wanted to get that in because that was, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're going through. Well, the thing is, we didn't have
5: too much time to think about it. I mean, two days in the studio, we just had to get in and do it, just bang it out. So, that was the great thing because, like we said, we could ponder over a lot for a long time. But yeah, yeah.
1: And, and default wise, I mean, you're you're sitting with here with Preston. Preston's you know the mix you know Preston mix the record, and he worked really hard not to overdo it, and he yeah. did not want it to go into some sonic place where you know it wasn't it didn't with well, a few of those
2: mixes we had to sort of take it too far and then bring it back. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. We've, we've tried everything with mixing, David yeah. and I. Uh, I, honestly, mixing really, really
0: is my favorite part of the whole process, yeah. honestly. It's when you take what you've created and then turn it into what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Each right? one
2: of these songs are probably 45 or you know, what's, uh,
0: here's Okay, again, I said this yeah, four times. Last question. What's the, uh, what's the John Bonham squeaky kick drum on this record? What's well, the Zeppelin plenty. song that has the... We, the, the we you have, know what I'm talking about? We have a
1: about? mic on the floor under the drums. We have a mic on the floor in the corner near the guitar. No, he's, he's referring No, I'm talking to, about
0: thematically. What's the oh. thing that you had to leave on there, other than the, cause there was that one thing? Oh, there's thing you said. plenty. Think, there are so many. I think so the main many. thing is
2: probably the the, the the bleed on the piano mic. The bleed yeah. on the piano mic uh, often sounds like a snare drum echo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was not there.
0: Isn't it funny what we have to go through to recreate the sounds of 1963? Oh. Right, you know. Yeah that this, was that was they didn't have any choice that was the bleeding edge technology we at the knew time, that right?
1: and we yeah. said look we're just going to go in there we're going to end up with what we have and that's going to yeah. add to what the record is who wants to control everything i mean this isn't the name i mean it's police.
5: great gaps or yeah you know stuff now to make it the crackle yeah right yeah you know
0: right. that's the other that's thing let's hear the song this is the last live song we're going to do check out the in-depth day website and you can hear this and all these other songs plus almost 200 other episodes as well plus davy's other band uh, the Neighborhood Bullies, which was way back on, man, I, I actually looked this up. We're talking August 31st, of 20, August 31st of 2011. Were
1: we like your fourth
0: guest? Oh, no, you were, so I don't have actually listed the number on here, but no, you were early And that's were early when were on. at the college. Yeah, that was back when we were at the college, yeah. Yeah, we could make all kinds of racket then. We have to kind of do it a little quieter in my home studio. I don't want to get evicted. And if I remember, we were were quite loud in your studio. Oh, no, no, not at all. No, not even close. For example, here it comes. The song Love is for Lunatics, Davey, Michelle and the Transatlantics on Independence Day.
1: Song is called Love is for Lunatics, written uh, with our good friend, Sarah Stanley. And uh, this is the title track on our new record.
6: Loving like there's no tomorrow Time after time It ends in only sorrow Love is for lunatics, don't you know? Side by side In every kind of weather I'm drunk, you're stoned We inebriate together Love is for lunatics, that's a fact
0: One last time, the title track from Davey Michelle and the Transatlantic's new album, the song Love is for Lunatics. Gentlemen and Davey, thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> thank <laughs> you It's so a great much. time. It's brilliant. You know, very seriously, thank you for
0: breaking our record. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the listeners
1: know this is breaking our record. You're I love the first it. person to play
0: it. It's an honor. It's an honor to do so. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm a fan so of much. your work. Uh, become fans of all you guys because you. I just I like talking to musicians, especially when they happen to be good human beings. So thank you. Cheers. For taking time. Taking time out. Look, we're all busy. <laughs> You know, I'm busy too. So musicians give of their time; they give a lot, and a lot of it's thankless. You know, it's not all cocaine and limousines. Uh, So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, So when can people? Is there an announcement coming about a a release show or a release show? No. See,
1: this is another thing. We're really working uh, on that. We're we're we haven't booked any shows. You should take a
0: break and think about it.
1: (laughs) Well, I got to be honest with you. I'm a yeah.
0: I'm sort of dropping the ball lately. I've, life is attack, you know, becoming yeah. a little heavy. Comes in from a, well, we've got a band though, man. Delegate. Yeah, that's right. I need assistance, guys.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> there it's how it works. All right, Davey, Zach, Colin, thank Preston, you. and the other guys who aren't here couldn't be here Luda today. And Tony, thank you guys so very guys. much. I appreciate you guys. Check out the new record, "Love Is for Lunatics." Davey, Michelle, and the Transatlantic. So. Thank you to Davey Michelle and his band, the stripped-down version of the Transatlantics. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Tapinski, Sally Shackleton, and Dorothy Junes. The studious Toadie Tonelok Piscotti of the Independence Day website. Thanks to Tonelok. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Check them out as well. For Independence Day, as always, my name is Joe Armstrong. If you do one thing today, please be good to one another.